Joining me, it's Jack Eason. Hey, Steve. How goes things? Oh, things are going good, buddy. Uh, I, I did what every professional podcaster should do, a little inside baseball for you. But you're asking yourself, how can I be better at podcasting? I would recommend uh, drinking all day, showing up an hour late, uh, and then just demanding that you guys start immediately. How does that sound? I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see how good this this episode goes. Um, I think we've got we've got the material to work with. I think we can all agree this week. So uh, it's going to be a good yeah. one. I think it's going to be a good one. And then uh, also joining us, I, I like Roman Polanski. I'm sorry, what? I, I like Roman Polanski. I I, I like what are you Roman Polanski. We're not even talking about what it, my I, I like Roman Polanski. I mean, I, I like Roman Polanski. A, <laughs> it's a fair what, statement, Steve. What's going on here? What? <laughs> What, this is not what we're talking. You just you just want to go out and say that? Are you just trying to cancel yourself? I, you, I like Roman. What Polanski. are you doing? What? What? Stop saying I, I that. I like Roman Polanski. <laughs> Steve, I'm not on X. There's no one to cancel me. I, 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 can I like, like Roman, Roman Polanski. Polanski. <laughs> I I just I think you need to stop I, repeating I like yourself. Roman what Polanski. are you? <laughs> like as a lifestyle thing or what? I, I like Roman Polanski. <laughs> This is very odd to me. Uh, how are you doing, buddy? I mean, obviously you're coming out guns a blazing. Uh, I'm doing all right, Steve. I'm I'm doing. I, all I right. like Roman Polanski. I have no like regrets over previous statements. <laughs> That's good. It's good not to have regrets. I, I like Roman well, Polanski. It's, it's also good because I feel like you're you're spiritually aligned with at least one of the movies that we're going to be discussing today. So. Uh, it is Wait, very it's one of these movies evoke Roman Polanski in some fashion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like yeah, Roman Polanski. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, he, he is. He's he, a lot of people are saying he might be the baddest cat available. <laughs> I, I like Roman Polanski, so it's good that we're covering him today. Uh, yeah, so we actually this is this is a special patron episode. We had our patrons vote, and uh, it was it was funny because it was a close one. So you were kind enough to remind the patrons, like, hey, you gotta you gotta cast your vote. Things are tight. Could go either way here, and we figured things would fall on the side of today's episode, but we ended up in a tie, so we're actually going to have two patron episodes in a row, which is exciting. Uh, and I, so, I like Roman no, Polanski. No, we're not going to... We already did Polanski. We did some Polanski movies already. We're not going to do it again, Myros, okay? You, you, can't, you can't just keep saying that. Uh, but we are going to be covering today Tubi Originals. And uh, this, this is exciting because... Obviously, this is a podcast that has championed Tubi from the beginning. We're all we're all big Tubi heads right now. Is there a forgotten comedy from the '80s or '90s? Uh, chances are it's on Tubi. Is there a schlocky horror movie that only people who are on this podcast or listen to this podcast are interested in watching? Chances are it's on Tubi. It's it's been an incredible resource for us, and. It's also kind of funny in the grand scheme of just streaming channels, right? Because everyone else has gone in the opposite direction. If you're a Netflix, uh, at one point, you had this, this huge catalog of physical media and, and you know, people could get movies by mail and then you switch over to streaming and it's like, okay, we've got a bunch of movies on streaming. 
And then slowly you start to erode that so that there's fewer and fewer older movies or even movies that aren't originally created by Netflix. And now all you have basically is a handful of contemporary things and then a lot of Netflix original movies, Netflix original series, Netflix, Netflix shitty ass documentaries. And that's it. And Jack, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Netflix has, has turned a profit in quite some time, have they? No, I, I believe debt leverage is a central part of uh, their whole thing currently. Mm -hmm. uh, just, just, you know, yeah. ha handling debt in various new and, and interesting ways. Yeah. And if you want to know the direction that Netflix continues to move in and, and just where they've been heading for a while... There's a speed run version of it, and it's called Movie Pass, where uh, they basically ate shit immediately by offering a ridiculous deal and then kind of embarrassed themselves and have completely bottomed out to the point where I think Movie Pass 2.0, the only person who currently has it is uh, the, the vegan alert critic. I'm pretty sure she still uses it, but but no one else does. I got an so email then, from them last week. Uh, oh, did it, you? They're like, where are you? Come back. Yeah, it didn't even mention pricing. I was like, well, that's kind of auspicious. That's, yeah, right. <laughs> that's kind of their whole thing is just like, oh, this is a deal for, for you and not for us. And now they're not even talking about the pricing because it's not a hot deal anymore. Uh, but, but Tubi has continued in the opposite direction where they sort of just scrape up a bunch of content and you know it's it's tv shows that may have been popular like 15 years ago or just a, a a wide swath of dtv movies and trash and a few um you know a few critically acclaimed things sprinkled in there and it's just it's a good variety tubi doesn't have a lot of things that are maybe like in the zeitgeist right now but what they do have is just a lot of stuff and what the majority of people want is just a lot of stuff. Sometimes I just want to sit in bed and just have some edibles and watch Dog the Bounty Hunter for three hours. Is that so wrong? And Tubi says, no, it's not. But that being said, Tubi has recently gotten into the original content game. But things are a little different. Unlike Netflix, who is completely content to give filmmakers $300 million to do whatever, and then, uh, you know, they, they eat shit on it, or, you know, they have an idea that is created by some fucked up algorithm and then is, is executed in the uh, boring Netflix house style, Tubi instead says, you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to buy a bunch of cheap shit. Their same strategy that they've been using for older movies. It's the same thing here. And it's kind of nice because what they're able to fill is weird niches where there's probably an audience and maybe these other streaming services aren't necessarily filling it. Um, so, of course, we decided to explore what some of those niches are. And uh, no niche cries out for more attention than Turkish adult animation. Am I right? I mean, I, I gotta say, it's not, it's not one I usually get to indulge in. No, I, I don't think... Anybody want to name their, their top five Turkish movies? Myros, you got a few off the top of your dome there? Oh, God. I'm sure I've seen some, but I couldn't tell you. The <laughs> mm, wow. 
Wow, real, real fucking cinemaphile over here. Aren't you going to school for this shit? Haven't you taken your Turkish movie course? I have unfortunately not taken a Turkish film course. I don't know. An absolute embarrassment. Jack, you got any faves? Oh, well, I mean, I'm thinking, of course, of the main Turkish film, Dry Summer, which the Martin Scorsese World Cinema Project restored. It's a wonderful, interesting Turkish film. Not animated, though, which puts it around below what we're talking here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm getting, what about that? Uh, isn't there like a cat movie or something? Keddy or something? Isn't that Turkish? Keddy. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yes. Keddy. I, you know, not seen it. Heard great things though. So yeah, I should probably team yeah, it up here. Mm-hmm. And Myros, the man, the man who's paying all this money to go to, uh, uh, I mean, one of the best film schools in the country, I think. And, and we, you got nothing for us? No, I'm even looking at a list right now, and this this really nothing showed. <laughs> I should should have known that. Should have gotten that. You know, even one. in on the, the Nuri Bilge Ceylon train, is he does he have a train? Wow. I don't know some mode of transport. Apparently not. Apparently no. not. Uh, but yeah, I I think you know a lot of people have been saying, why can't I have Fritz the cat, but it's Turkish, and uh, just not redeemable in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and a lot of people have been saying that. I, I hear that all the time. <laughs> people are saying it. They're saying it more and more. And what they don't know is that in 2016, they got their, their wish. Their dream came true. And thankfully, Tubi was able to pick this up and give it to the masses. And now you can log into Tubi for free. And with the exception of a few commercial breaks, just watch, uh, watch a movie called Bad Cat. And uh, it's, it's got the tagline, forget Garfield, he's a pussy. All right. So Garfield forgotten. I thought that was the tagline for Heathcliff, but uh, no, it's, it's for bad cat. Is there a Heathcliff movie? I don't think there's a Heathcliff. There should no. be a Heathcliff. Yeah, it seems that's, like that's they've, a fucking, they've done Marmaduke. Cool Why aren't they doing Heathcliff? Yeah, they should be doing fucking Heathcliff. He's a cool guy. He's, he's Garfield, but with street cred. And no, we get, we get bad cat. And I mean, the good thing about Bad Cat is you can watch the opening, say, 90 seconds, and you know exactly what you're going to get for 90 minutes. Uh, because this movie opens with, uh, like, a shitty Heathcliff Garfield, and he's sitting on a toilet, taking a fat shit while smoking a cigarette, and uh, I, I think he says, uh, he tells his owner to fuck off, like, 16 times. And that's, that's Bad Cat. That's the whole movie, right? Yeah, I think to, even better than that is he's he's taking a fat shit and he's like swearing because you know it's 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 a bit of a struggle to get it done. Meanwhile, his owner is banging on the door and swearing at him because he needs the bathroom. And I think that's the key element to this film is that it's not just the mm -hmm. one cat who's like rough and crude and aggressive. It's everyone in this movie. It's basically just ninety minutes of people screaming obscenities at each other. That is supposed yeah. to be extremely funny and entertaining until it takes, obviously, a turn into loving father-son territory <laughs> and various other and, and questions of morality and death, you know, which, you, of mm -hmm. course, I mean, it's it's Turkish. So that's probably something they do. You have a cup of coffee and you you debate whether or not uh, Shiro, the, the, the bad cat, deserves the love of his son and so on. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Uh, no. no. And that's the fun thing about Bad Cat is nobody deserves anything. And if you're watching the movie, you don't deserve any of this either. No, it's just, 
Yeah, I it's, think it's the, really the antagonist of the film is, is sort of like one of the only people who doesn't seem to be a depraved asshole. <laughs> Pr pretty much, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, gotta, yeah, gotta say, bad... I was kind of siding with him throughout. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I don't... Again, this movie is... Uh, I, I think you'll understand a little more about what the fuck we're doing here when uh, when we describe what, what causes this central conflict is that uh, as a bad cat here, uh, Shero and his pal... Uh, they decide that they're going to break into this guy's apartment and rape his cat. <laughs> yeah. And instead, yeah. Uh, they fail to rape the cat and, in, in fact, just electrocute it. Uh, and upon the cat's death, the owner is, uh, is also killed and becomes a, a zombie bent on uh, vengeance against this, this monstrous cat. Uh, and mm -hmm. we, we should frankly, cut in here. It's, Adam, you say that they, they're entering to rape this cat, and that's... That's an unfair representation. That would be too okay. far. No, no, they, they, they enter to definitely have sex with the cat, but consensually. And after the cat freaks out uh, and doesn't want to and accidentally kills itself, Shero does say, you could have said no. Which yes. I really miss the consensual part. See, well, I yeah, think it's implied I mean, by that bit there, but it's not really discussed elsewhere. And they do break into the, the apartment it's legally i'm not sure it stands up but i think the the writers are kind of like leaning into he's a bad cat but he's he's not that mm -hmm. bad yeah i, I, I mean i i don't know it's it's hard to say because i'm a lot of things but as of right now i'm not an expert on turkish law but let me just lay this out here because there's a lot of uh blurring of the lines between human and animal in this movie uh really they're not treated any different so Except for this one cat, which is, is coded like non-verbal. <laughs> yeah, that's cat. weird. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. But no. Uh, yeah, so you got this really uh, nice, normal cat with a nice, normal owner. And, and let's, let's flip the script. Let's say everybody was human here. What is it called when you break into someone's house and demand that they have sex with you and then accidentally kill them? Is there a word for that? <laughs> Oh, boy. It's I, a sticky wicket, I believe. Is that the... uh, yeah. It's... <laughs> so, yeah. I, and, you know, the movie does take its sweet time trying to figure out what the fuck it's about, too, because uh, this is part of it. This uh, this horrific moment where a cat is killed and a man is killed and uh, and the cat's like, I'm I'm a bad cat. What what the fuck? No big deal. But then there's some other elements going on here, too, where. Uh, the titular bad cat, Shero, and his owner are being evicted because they don't pay rent. Uh, keep in mind, too, their landlord, also a dick. Everyone in this movie is uh, a completely irredeemable piece of shit who is uh, unlikable, unenjoyable. Uh, they're all pretty much the same character. There's no characterization. There's just, like, different, you know, uh, physical forms well, of the same piece of shit. That's not entirely fair. I mean, there are also like three characters who are uh, kind of uh, normal-ish and are, uh, their the purpose seems to be to be constantly abused by all the other assholes. Yeah, that's true. That's like true. Like your, your bird, the bird seems fine. Mm -hmm. uh, the, sh the store owner, I mean, a bit of an yeah. asshole, but uh, understandable. He's, he's just more at the end of his rope with these fucking monsters. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you keep yeah. shoplifting from him. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think they need they need the nice characters because sometimes they need to push the story along that requires someone to do something for someone else, which no one else in this film will. So they have these stock characters on the side who just can kind of nudge it on a bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it's it really that's about it. They have to have some light contrast. 
But but then the other thing is too is like you're supposed to be following around uh, along with Cheryl, and you go, ah, you're supposed to say he's a bad cat, but uh, you know maybe he's got something going on here that I can get behind. But you really can't. And then all the people who are uh, you know forces set up against him, you you tend to uh, kind of align yourself with them. And I don't know if that's necessarily the intent of the movie. No, but I don't know. He's not, a, he's not a lovable rapscallion, that's for sure. He's, he's not <laughs> no, one of those no. scoundrels. You, you just can't help but root for. He's in fact just a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and and you know it, it's it's okay because so we we find out that his his owner is getting evicted. Ergo, he is going to be evicted. We have that little side plot, and then another side plot where he has an illegitimate child that he wasn't aware of, and he's got to deal with that. And then there's another cat girl who comes along. And if we know one thing about Shero, the bad cat, is, oops, I accidentally killed a few people, but I still got to get my dick wet. So he's determined to bang this other cat, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. a major part of it. I should mention at this mm-hmm. point, I think the, the female cat's one of the most, like, worst animation models, because they're trying to make her, like, sexy and curvaceous, but she stands on her hind legs, and it's just, she just looks like she has scoliosis. <laughs> it's a deeply <laughs> yeah. unpleasant-looking no, characterization. I, I, everything about the way this movie looks and, and presents itself is is not aesthetically pleasing or interesting or compelling or enjoyable in any way, shape or form. Uh, and, and it's, it even comes down to not only does his, his love interest here uh, look a little fucked up, but they can't even bother to give her an actual name. They, her name is just miss cat. So that, that was a placeholder that never got removed. Uh, but well, I, you know, I'm not hundred percent sure if maybe her Turkish name, I think might be miss get. And they just, they, for oh. lip sync purposes, possibly, they just were like, Miss Cat, that, we can just swing that one easily. I, I don't know. That I don't know who sense. did the dub for this. I don't know if this got any international release until Tubi got it, and Tubi just paid $7 to get, like, a couple of people in a room to shout for an hour yeah, and a half. I don't know. This has some people you've heard of in it. Like, I don't, Rob Paulson's a huge name in uh, voiceover. Uh, what is Rob? Mm-hmm. I didn't even see his name in the credits. Oh. Yeah, he, well, that's because the credits are all Turkish people, and then you have to go all the way down to the bottom for the translated stuff. Oh, but well, yeah, there you there's go. Uh, Kate Micucci is an indie comedian of, of some popularity. Wanda Sykes. I, I didn't know. even realize she was in. Who's Wanda Sykes' voice I don't know. in this? I, I don't. I didn't know Rob Paulson <laughs> at the time either. I, I have no idea what's what's going on here. Really. Who's well, paying these go. people? Wow. Well, this I, is I not something they're putting on their resumes. I'm guessing. Yeah, like someone decided we we got. I mean, how much does Wanda Sykes cost? She's got to cost gotta, something. Yeah, she's, a, she's a real person that right. costs money. Uh, I, honestly, if we get a chance to interview Wanda Sykes, this is all I would want to talk about. It's like, how much did they dangle in front of you to do this? Because this isn't like a positive career move for anyone. So I, I can't imagine. And then also it's like, did Tubi pay for this or do you pay Tubi? Maybe that's the magic because I, I can't imagine anyone is watching this and they're like, I gotta have it. This is worth a million dollars. Like what, what is this yeah. worth? Anyway? It's, I it's funny know. on the, on the, the, the point for, for like the funding. Cause at one point in it, there's just very visibly, uh, one of the characters nearly gets run over by a Kia. And I was like, that's a really oddly specific in this, you know, fantastic. I granted it is modeled on real Istanbul locations, apparently a lot of it. So it would be familiar to mm-hmm. Turkish audiences, but most of it, you know, it's generic things within that space, but yet there's, there's Kia's, 
And I was like, that's weirdly specific. They have specific car marks in it. And then I found out reading up a yeah. little bit on it that it is part funded by product placement. So sure. even from the Turkish side, that was happening. Who knows what to be introduced? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, just talking about the, the general look of this movie, too. If you, I, I, I saw someone I was trying to like read reviews of this or just figure out, like, has anyone seen this? Anyone at all? Uh, it doesn't seem like it. Um, but some people are like, it's not up to Pixar standards, but it looks kind of like a DreamWorks movie. And and to that point, I say, I don't know, maybe watch like fucking Kung Fu Panda again, because this looks like shit. Uh, I don't I know. I think it's pretty I, much yeah, up I'll to Pixar little... standards because I don't want to watch either studio's output. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I think this, this has thing, more though. like texture than uh, a lot of American animation in a way that I appreciate to an extent. But yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't look as bad as like that, that fucking Dex Dog Detective food fight movie or something. It's not like yeah, yeah. It's not yeah, no, an abomination. It, it, definitely, yeah. This doesn't look like those you know shitty like the Brazilian Pixar knockoff things. Like we, it's certainly a much shinier, yeah. competent product than that. But um, the real problem, so, you know, it probably lies with none of us are familiar with the cartoon. But if the cartoon looks anything like this, then Jesus, it looks like the character models, the design. Uh, I think the animation is kind of okay it's just yeah. the the character design stuff it's like looking at this shero thing i'm like i i wish i wasn't and that's kind of the feeling you get with most of these characters you're just like oh I, I i don't know i mean counterpoint here i think i think like the, the character models themselves like shero and the seagull and the rat and all that stuff like they they look okay they look fine oh uh, i hate it but, i hate the eyebrows man it's just fucking uh, weird. the eyebrows me out. are bad weirds me out. Uh, the problem that i have is like up close, each of these individuals, like, oh, Cheryl, he's, you could tell he's like, you know, his fur has like movement to it. And there's a part where he gets wet and you're like, oh, yeah, it looks all right. Like somebody actually spent time to make this look okay. The problem is, is like, so we're supposed to be in Istanbul and it just seems like the most generic copy paste vacant city of all time. And there's numerous points too. Where it's like, not only is it completely unpopulated for the most part, but, um, everything just is is hyper tight focus on these characters and everything in the background is just like not there like it, it's it's yeah really yeah. weird the way they present it it, it is a um, shame the opening of the film is probably the highlight of it where they do this like bird's eye view of the area and they're kind of moving through and there's all these people around and other animals moving around and everything and they're like wow look it's like a whole world and the rest of the movie is not it doesn't really delve into that at all mm-hmm yeah, yeah, it's um, it's not not great, not great. Yeah, I think yeah, generic I mean, is the term above all sure. else. It's like there's nothing, you know. It's oh, it's a bad cat. He's rude and crude. Like there's nothing here I haven't seen in some shape or form already, and probably better. Like it's just I I don't know anything about the original Turkish comic and what it stands for and why it's very popular yeah. and worthy of being a feature film adaptation and so on. But it's not communicated here. Shero's just, he's a rude, crude cat doing rude, crude things that are quite boring. He just drinks and swears and shoplifts. And then they have a couple of fights and he punches some guys, but in very regular fashion. And like, it doesn't seem to be in opposition to anything. There doesn't seem to be a social comment element to it. It just seems like it's, it's just a stock kind of feature. Uh, it just looks mm -hmm. like they didn't really think of any particular angle to introduce this yeah. thing. Yeah, and, and to give some context to the comic, like, I, I don't know a lot about it, and maybe there's English translations out there, but I didn't dig hard enough, but I was like, okay, I know this is based on a comic, like, what does that actually look like? And I looked it up, 
and it's I, I don't know it doesn't look like this it's, <laughs> it's kind of like it's crudely drawn like kind of pen and ink it's been in a, a popular I, I guess this would be the Turkish equivalent to like Mad Magazine and it's been in that since the 90s um, it's it's violent and crude I assume he swears a lot but again I, I don't speak or read Turkish so it's and it's a very wordy comic so I can just look at the images but yeah, it seems to be inspired by uh, like a, like a R. Crumb or uh, I mean I, I mentioned um, like uh, uh, Fritz the Cat, like Basky, like that type of stuff, or even like the '90s revival of that comics with an X style. Um, but it's it's not anything that really stands out to me. It's just a cat who acts like a dickhead, and I don't know if that needs a feature length film. But here here we are. So yeah, I would assume cat. I would assume I'm sure the comic latches onto some kind of, you know, characteristics that vibe with the population. It feels like the movie probably to get it made. I think the idea was to make it something internationally marketable, which probably meant sanding off all the things that are particularly Turkish in it and just creating mm -hmm. inadvertent. Like, I think it, it probably it's one of those things, it's, it's you're stuck on two sides, really. It's kind of like, you can either make a movie that's really Turkish, and it might do very well in your native homeland, but then international audiences mostly won't look at it. But the people who do will probably go, that's interesting because it's actually representative of where it's from. Or you can alternately just kind of like sand off all the edges and more people might look at it internationally, but they'll kind of like just, they won't know anything more by watching it. There's like, you'll learn nothing about Turkey or what makes Turkish people tick by watching this thing. Other than, I guess, if you happen to know, yeah. like now Turkish zombies uh, with their brains removed hate the cat that killed their cats or whatever. I, you know, I don't even mm -hmm. understand why that's a thing. Why is the, the enemy is like a weird zombie for no particular reason? Uh, he is a cartoonist. I was wondering if he's a cartoonist who draws the comic like it's a self-insert, but I don't mm -hmm. know why they would portray him like that, that he just becomes this raving lunatic hellbent on killing all the heroes and gets continually embarrassed and, and hurt until eventually I, I he is no killed. Idea. Yeah, no the idea. The only thing I can think of is, is it, it, this definitely feels rushed. Like, you, you can't, you can't, like, like ad-lib a fucking animated film, obviously. Like, you're... It, you have to have a script because you're animating this shit. But the, the back and forth conversations that happen in this, they feel like, like sketches more than they feel like dialogue that contributes to a greater whole of a script. It's just like, hey, fuck you, fucking bastard. No, yeah. you're a bastard. What did you call me, fucko? Like, and it's just back and forth like that. And I don't know if you have this well-known property in Turkey and then some people, they, they see sausage party and they go, well, this was modestly successful. Uh, maybe American audiences are ready for bad cat. I yeah. don't, I don't know. Sausage party did come to mind for me as well. And I think that does a similar thing where it's just like, this has to be about something. And it's just like, I don't know if you want to make a movie about like fucking hot dog dick jokes. I don't need some sort of a, a narrative. I, I, I really don't. Just fucking get abstract yeah. with it or something. And this this is the same thing. Like, I, I don't really understand what this is doing in the back half of it. Like, it, it gets to, like, you could say it's not doing anything, but there's there's a point where I, 
it's trying, I guess, to do something like the, I don't know. The bad cat is like gunned down by the police. <laughs> it, I, yeah, there's it's, some... it's, it's got yeah. All of a sudden, they're like crusaders for their class or something. It's just like yeah, yeah. No, there's a weird fuck? redemption arc that yeah doesn't stick at all because like like we've mentioned, he's just he's kind of just a self-serving prick, and then he, his son shows up and he's like, "Go away, I don't need a son," and then. His son helps him out, and he's like, okay, maybe my son is someone I should know, and then suddenly we're supposed to be very invested in everything, and they're like, let's rob a bank. And I was like, what? Why? Yeah. Which uh, is also great, too, because this movie, I mean, obviously, like, it it hangs its hat on I'm edgy and offensive because I say, like, fucking shit every other word, which, all right, whatever, man. Um, but I, I love how they have his son, who's just kind of like a cuter version of Shero the bad cat but then for the backstory they go out of their way to just like bake in some racism which is like a real fucking power move because <laughs> at one point they're like oh who like how how do I even know you're my son it's just like oh you banged my mom mimosa who lives in Chinatown and then and then of course like his son has like fucking buck teeth and you're like oh boy there we go there it is there it is. Yeah, so. not to mention Cheryl, at least in the English dub, is very much coded black, and, uh, yeah, and yeah. the whole thing's like, cats don't, <laughs> cats don't raise their kids. We just yeah, skedaddle. I'm like, ugh, God. <laughs> it's, it's real, real classy no, it, joint. It's, yeah, it's, it's funny, too, because, I mean, I don't know if it's funny, but it's horrifying that it feels like, in the translation for this, they're like, okay, well, we gotta change a few things for American audiences, but also whether or not this was here in the original, let's find a way to amplify racism because that's what yeah. America's all about. <laughs> yeah, I, I just this movie what the fuck is, are is you a doing? little it's a little confounding to me. I'll say that. I I just don't really get what the hell it's doing. I mean, you've got that that if that's your arc, like, oh, his son, he he has a son now. That's a like real tropey archetype of like, oh, the the young kid softens up this gruff asshole, you know, but really this movie doesn't have time to do that. It's just, no, the, the kid all. shows like, up and then they're turns. all like in turn kidnapped by this crazy zombie and flying all around. And there's no like moment where Shero is like meaningfully altered by uh, the new circumstances in his life. It's just like, no, yeah. no, I, I, I guess we're supposed to just take for granted that he is, but uh, yeah. 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 Everything well, just and, and comes up thing for too. him. Yeah. I, I was like, did, did I blink and miss the part where he bonded with his child? It's like, no, no, the, the movie at some point just decided in order to uh, finish up this, this rudimentary plot that we're trying to cobble together, we're going to have to make it where he suddenly likes his kid. And that's it. His kid takes it. a bullet for him. Like, it's a shortcut in shortcuts. Like, the, the whole thing is uh, his kid takes a bullet for him, but then it turns out that his his owner, who he's estranged from, is actually really good at medicine stuff for some reason and, and patches him up and they become like, oh, I couldn't live without you, my terrible cat I hate. And they all, you yeah. know, they're all happy again together for some reason. It's, yeah, it, it's ultimately the problem here is that just if you watch cartoons in any sense like you you've seen everything here there aren't like there's barely even jokes in this like physical humor no. like there's 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 nothing even particularly zany or cartoony to most of it beyond the fact that it's like imagine if an animal like got shot and it's like that actually happens quite regularly i don't you know i don't 
that's not really a thing. You know, what if an animal tried to rob a bank? It's like, okay, by use of an animal walked into a room that happened to be a bank? Okay, that's incredible stuff. Um, yeah, it just, <laughs> it, there's nothing, there's nothing here that's pretty, like, just, unless you have never seen a movie with talking animals before, right, this, this is about, that's about the biggest break from reality in this thing. You know, it's, it's just... Yeah. There's really nothing there. The only thing that's in any way kind of interesting at all, I guess, is the bad guy who we're supposed to dislike because he dislikes the hero. But honestly, mm -hmm. he's got pretty good reason to. Um, and I don't know. It's And it's weird. He's just a zombie. And everyone's like, why is there a zombie? And it's like, I don't know. Uh, I guess, why was that one cat not able to talk like everyone else? Who knows? Just a lot of shortcuts, yeah. a lot of confusion. Nothing really hangs together. So it's it's kind of like the, I, the real I problem, like I think, for this Polanski. is like... Yeah, I, you know, I, I picked this one because I was like, man, this looks like it could be, if nothing else, illuminating because I've never watched a Turkish animated movie. Or else it could just be really, really shit, because uh, that's also a guiding principle for choosing films for this podcast. But ultimately, Bad Cat's just kind of disappointingly bland. It's, it's just not really, it's not even really shit. It's just no. sort of like a middling cartoon that you could watch, mm -hmm. but you probably don't want to. No, you don't want to. You don't want to at all. There's, there's no reason to watch this. Although it, it does kind of illuminate, and, and so does Myros's pick, what Tubi originals are and, and the place that they hold, which is, you know, you've, you've got the hyper-polished to a fault where they're kind of bland and boring uh, Netflix house style. You've got the, you can literally dump anything on this platform. We don't give a fuck approach of amazon prime and then you have tubi which is yeah it looks like not like a pixar film or whatever like it's it's clearly cheap but it's not the cheapest like it clears that bar for this is a movie but there's still not a lot going on and i think that's a wonderful segue to uh myros's pick which is a, a horror film called first person shooter from 2022 not to be confused with a non-Tubi original, also called First Person Shooter, from 2018, which is also streaming on Tubi. Seems like a bit of a mistake to me, but what do I know? Uh, Steve, it's clear and, there's a difference. So that one is called FPS colon First Person Shooter. You're right, you're yes. right. There's a total, dif total difference. A very total different, different film. But well, I mean, one this, might this imagine that the one might imagine that FPS First Person Shooter doesn't open with someone playing a third person shooter. Uh, that could also distinguish yeah. the two. Maybe they got that right. That is a classic move, because uh, yeah, to be original 2022 first-person shooter does open up with someone playing, like, I don't know, like a, a fucking ultra-low settings version of Spec Ops The Line. It's, uh, it's really great stuff. And it, it, this, is, this is really wonderful, because it's a good reminder that these types of films exist. So, you know, you, you think of, like, your big-budget movies, and then you think of of your like art house passion project stuff. And then you think of your Amazon prime dumping ground, zero budget. We're just making it to make it. It looks like dog shit. When you get to a movie like first person shooter, 2022, it, it looks like a movie. It looks like a movie that would play on Hallmark or lifetime or something like that. Like some shit Christmas movie. It just happens to be a horror movie. Um, it's directed by the guy who, made a lot of shitty Hallmark Christmas movies. 
as well as the I Spit on Your Grave remake from 2009. But it has this energy about it. Uh, And it's not a workman-like quality. We're not talking about like Joe D'Amato just making movies because there's there's artistry to what Joe D'Amato does. This is just like a guy who doesn't hate his job, but he doesn't love his job. It's literally a man just clocking in to make the movie. This is the cinematic equivalent to working at Walgreens. Okay, like it's just, no one is that passionate about what they're doing. They just have to do it at a base level of competence. And uh, it, it, it fucking sucks because there's, there's nothing going on here. Yeah, it's, this is an interesting one because you're right. It, it, like, it's, it is not like a terrible movie in the way that like, you'd often distinguish, you know, kind of the real low budget, no budget films. They look bad. They have really clunky scripts and everything. Every scene in this generally works pretty well. Everyone, you know, the actors are doing a pretty good job. The script, there's even some rapport, some quips, some this and that, you know, the story is developing and everything. Like, there's nothing that's, like, immediately strikes you as, like, there's something wrong with what we're watching here. But at the same time, this movie is, like, not, I'm not even sure if it cracks 90 minutes, but it feels so much longer like it just feels like it's just wading through water to get where it needs to go and it's it's just a very strange kind of just i think you're right like this kind of unfocused quality that it's it's fine but like no one no one's invested in this thing there's also i think the element that it's it's a video game like this the story of this is about basically a video game developer who finds that he's got a it's like single white female but instead it's a single white male and he's a video game developer and someone takes a dislike to him and starts trying to like screw him over and ultimately start taking his life um you know taking over his life uh, i guess but it's it's written in this kind of like incredibly generic way as someone who doesn't know a lot about video games or video game development but it leans into that a lot it's it's just yeah very peculiar on that front and it's just it's just a very unengaging movie that still works pretty well like a movie Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a real real treat for the senses. Uh, and this is another one too. And I, maybe this is a quality of all Tubi movies. I'm gonna have to watch more, I guess, to to kind of figure this out. But um, you know, you you got this this guy, and he's the CEO of a video game company or whatever, and all these terrible things keep happening to him and people around him. And you're kind of like, I don't know. I'm I'm on the side of the guy doing this to him. Like, there's some like Reddit fuck who's oh, just they in the background the problems, ruining dude. his they life. They give him that cabbie hat, and you're like, ah, oh, never mind. I'm not rooting for yeah, that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like who who's the best character of this? I I love. I honestly, I love the CEO's girlfriend. So imagine, I don't know, you're you're uh, the you know the guy from Bethesda or fucking Cliffy B or the CEO of Activision. Like that's that's who this is supposed to be, and then. His girlfriend is a bartender who works like slow day shifts and also has a methamphetamine addiction that she cannot kick and he will not help her kick in any way. Why do they keep calling it methamphetamine when it just sure seems like she's doing cocaine? (laughs) I know. That's what I thought. And you're like, oh, yeah, she's she's a a bartender and she's got the sniffles. Clearly, it's coke. She's doing bumps in the bathroom when she passes out. like Bumps of meth. I'm like, what? It's again, like, and, and that's another thing too. It's like, not only do you not know about movies or video games or anything, it's like, you don't even know drugs. Like what, <laughs> it clearly, if you're, if you're like, you know, the live in girlfriend of a rich video game CEO, you've just got like fucking mountains of cocaine that you're, yeah, you're not up fucking your nose. Like, what do you do? Meth? Meth? 
No, absolutely not. It, it's it's weird. And then he's always like, I could tell you're high. It's like, how how could you tell she's she's just doing what she does? Is that I don't it's it's very strange. I I don't I don't get it all. But uh yeah, I don't know. She's great. Um best character, I would say. I'm gonna go with that. Yeah, I think she's the best yeah, character she, in the film. Yeah, shout out Meth Girlfriend. Uh but the yeah, the, the rest of this, it's it's just it goes on forever. It, I think it's actually the longest movie. Uh, cause it doesn't crack 90 minutes, I don't believe. And it took me three sittings to get through it. It was it was very difficult for me. Uh at the first time I I had that, you know, that classic I can't stand this movie check. And I was like, oh man, this has got to be like 45 minutes that I looked. It's like 23 minutes. Oh boy. We're in for a real fucking ride. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Fuck you, Myros. What, <laughs> what else you got to say about this one? Well, I mean, that, that was the aim, really. I, I mean, this was picked with malice. I, I feel like <laughs> someone says pick a, the two, uh, 2B original. I'm, I'm going in with like the cost of content mindset. I'm just like, well, what's going to be the shittiest thing? And yeah, I mean, this probably is not the shittiest thing uh, among the 2B originals. Um, but it caught my eye just because a the generic title and the promise that it might uh, it might go hardcore Henry and uh, drive everyone completely insane, which I do believe is the case for the other first person shooter, but not this first person okay. shooter. So um, you were hoping to give us a first person shooter <laughs> section. Yeah, there's like three shots that are intercut. For yeah, like yeah, two it's like, yeah, pretty much. It's it's like we're watching Detour. You know, it's it's they're cut from the same. I, I, I honestly, not. I wonder if it was a pickup shot because they forgot and they were like, "Oh, we should probably do that." <laughs> yeah, someone at some point, one of the producers was like, "Wait, what does first person mean again?" Was it <laughs> right? Yeah, my intent was to make you all sick for sure. But then uh, I, since we're not playing by cost of content rules, I was like. Well, I'll just hit play and see what this thing looks like. And uh, I just skipped to a random scene, and it was that hospital scene uh, where he's visiting his girlfriend, and they're talking about, like, dildos and a bunch of elite-speak bullshit. And I was like, well, this is fucking terrible. Let's Here we go. Sign me up. It's so good. When he's he's just, like, sitting at home uh, playing a, a, his third-person shooter on his little Xbox, and the, the killer is, like, playing with him on Xbox. And uh, the guys, the killer's like, "Hey, you're you're a pussy. I beat you." And and then he like you you watch him like the camera shifts to the screen. He just types in like, "No, you are a pussy. I pwned you." <laughs> Boy, this is fucking they, great. They they Compelling did the research. Shit. They got these characters dialed down. That's that's what it's all about. I mean, you you'll notice also that his co CEO or whoever that the other guy Zhang is in the company I don't know he seems senior but not senior somehow but at one point he refers to all of the other people working there as noobs which is like Michael Mann yeah. levels of research right there mm -hmm. yeah it's it's really powerful stuff the code and monkeys I, baby oh yeah I, I think I think part of this too is I mean obviously they were like let's make a movie about a, a video game killer and and no one thought about you know, horror films or video games or like it, no one thought for more than 10 minutes. They just wrote this. And this would be like if someone's just like, yeah, Steve, could you uh, could you write a movie? It's a it's a romantic comedy about an astrophysicist. I, I would. Sure. Yeah. It has, yeah, it has the minutes. exact same energy as like Hallmark movies. The first section of like a Hallmark Christmas movie where it's the woman in her successful city job. 
it's that for mm-hmm. the whole thing you know it's like the, every hallmark yeah. movie that you know before she has to go back to her small town and discover the meaning of life and so on she's got like her her mm-hmm. not quite rewarding but very successful job in the city and it's always like you know she's the editor of a magazine or something and they have no idea what the editor of magazines do where she's like she works in movies or something or finance and they just like it's you know Someone shows up and is like, do you yeah. have the, the like, Smith file? And that's all they can think of, you know? It's, it's just, it, but this is the whole yeah. movie. It's, it's all, because, like, 80% of this movie takes place in the guy's office in the video game company, and it's pretty much that whole, like, and they talk about video games, you know, in real technical speak, like, he's like, yeah, you know, when Doom 2 with the final boss guy, you know, real, you know, deep dive video game <laughs> stuff going on here. It was an Easter yeah, egg yeah. conversation straight out yes. of Ready Player One, baby. Uh, oh yeah, this is real good stuff. And then, and then he's just an idiot too. Like, there's, there's this uh, woman who is presented as like a, a voiceover artist, but she's actually like a plant from uh, the the redditor who's trying to she get isn't. him in trouble. Or uh, she? But uh, well, she, she's presented as a red herring plant. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, but but you you have this this scene where uh, I don't know the redditor guy like hacks into a laptop computer that just happens to be open on a conference desk, oh, gosh. and then he's just like, "All right, baby, I'm gonna plow your butt on the conference table in front of this open laptop." <laughs> what yeah, are you I doing? Think anyone working in IT, I'm sure that's the first thing is always just you know, I there's someone who's trying to ruin yeah. my life. I think I'll have an affair in front of an open laptop at work. That's- yeah. It- Cool. In your all glass office, <laughs> yeah, that might be <laughs> the greatest of all. This is not country, baby. <laughs> of all like lazy shortcuts in this movie is the fact that all of these tech professionals apparently just don't practice any sort of like security like, whatsoever. To minimal like, nah. levels. Yeah, I mean, there's I think like that's three different scene. characters who get like hacked horribly or or have themselves misrepresented just because they left their computer just fucking hanging out. <laughs> what are we doing here? This is not and. Yeah, again, it does, as Steve mentioned, there's, there's a parallel to Bad Cat in that protagonist problem because it is, A, he obviously, yeah, he's coded as some CEO douchebag, but I guess they try and get around that because they say it's an indie company. They're like, oh, he's an indie dev who seems to be making Call of Duty. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. He's also just like, what? why do I want good things for this guy? He's a fucking, he's cheating on his girlfriend. Uh, he has plagiarized every piece of work he's ever made. It's just like, please, fucking shoot him. Oh my God, kill the guy. It's it's the yeah. same as Bad Cat in that, yeah, everything terrible happens in this movie to basically reinforce the bond between the protagonist and his girlfriend, just as in Bad Cat, it reinforces the bond between Shero and his son. But it's not in any way credible that they're bond to begin with. And yeah, other than that, it's like all the other people seemed more likable, certainly in first person shooter. I mean, his coworkers seem like better people than him. Uh, it, you know, they're all morons. Cause it seemed to me very obvious who was responsible for this from the very beginning was, was probably the new guy they hired. Who's really interested in the CEO's life. I feel like maybe a little bit more scrutiny could have been pointed his way from, from the get go. I mean, he's um, wearing yeah, a fucking cabbie hat. Guilty. Guilty. 100%, maybe maybe yeah. they should make a movie about that, about a guy in a cabbie hat who, uh, you know, we're supposed to care about and bad things happen to him, but he pulls through. Would you Would you watch that, Adam? No, that person doesn't exist. There's no such thing. It's not believable. <laughs> I can't suspend my disbelief. For the- Name one person in a cabbie hat who you respect or have ever respected. 
It's not possible. I mean, Jack is from the UK uh, area there. I'm sure it's a the UK area. Good save there, Adam. <laughs> it's all the UK, Jack. It's all Ireland. It's all the UK. There, these are all the same country. We've established that, uh, and also Boston. <laughs> but the point is, yeah, this is <laughs> the point is, yeah, in in jolly old England, I think a lot more people are wearing the cabbie hat. If you're wearing one in America, mm-hmm. you're a fucking asshole. Yeah. No, this is like, I, th- no, th- yeah, there's no one in America. You, you get away with a cabbie hat if, like, I don't know, yeah, you, you fucking are Jack's grandpa and you smoke a corncob pipe and you fucking burn moss in your, in your fireplace. Like, that's, that's it. Like, nobody else is allowed to wear that shit. It's, it's impossible. Uh, yeah, this is, it's a fucking insufferable movie. I, I don't know why, why. I can't believe you chose this virus. I'm very disappointed in to, you. To come back to this movie, I think uh, a really telling part of like how engaging this movie is and how well thought out this movie is is um, they have a scene where they're they're trying to rush production to get finalized production of their newest game, and at a certain point, they're like, "Okay, we need to like we've got three days left. We gotta put our heads down and you know nose to the grind film stone and and get this done and then they do this like quick shot uh like like scene of a bunch of people sitting at a desk presumably coding you know it's the kind of thing that like works when people are moving around that like quick motion thing you know if like they're assembling something or doing you know where the where the scene changes but it's just a bunch of people sitting at computers all day which is like it's exactly what would happen if you shot in a regular office building for eight hours and then fast forwarded through the footage and it's just such a bewildering thing to put in this as like a moment of somewhat excitement or like you know a moment of, of I guess, you know, narrative uh, point to, you know, they have to get over this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely bewildering decisions. And it just it just speaks towards this, you know, this is such a careless movie. It also, guess what, there, there's a sword. It's, most, it's the most violent workplace, the most inappropriate workplace. Everyone in this office has a gun and points it at people and talks about how they're going to get into guns. There's a, a, a real <laughs> sword that's sharp, uh, like with sharp edges, sharp enough if you just lightly touch it will cut you. It is not in a display case. It's just sitting up on a plinth in the middle of the workspace. Uh, this is just mm-hmm. uh, like this place is just lawsuits waiting to happen constantly. Well, but there's one scene where the guy gets a new gun and and is literally pointing it at his assistant. Uh, I, I don't know what position she's in she ultimately makes park partner so really great character arc for her in this movie and he's just pointing a gun at her and she's like be careful with that thing it doesn't have a safety it's like a pressure trigger and it's like you would be that calm with someone who doesn't know that holding that gun and pointing it at you and this happens routinely in this movie it's it's wild mm. and, and it does the whole thing has this kind of feeling of like you're fully detached from reality and and you don't understand any of the characters you've created like whoever wrote this did not give a flying fuck no uh, and i and then i was like what is, what is this and then it and then it, it hit me and i was like i bet it's canadian and if you look it lists itself as an american production but i dug a little bit and it's fucking shot in winnipeg so it's it's a real oh, it's it's no a i mean it's, it's hallmark i mean th- this is hallmark thriller territory yeah yeah it's, so, you know, it's got to be shot there and, and written with that just absolute, like, vague kind of, like, we heard of a thing, and here's a movie about that thing, but we did no additional research. 
just that energy mm-hmm. throughout. That being said, I will say this movie has a joke in it, which is more than I can say for Bad Cat, the animated comedy movie we watched. So there's <laughs> there's one scene where his druggy girlfriend is like annoyed at a customer and he orders a death in the afternoon, which is that even a real drink? I have no idea. But she just responds with, hope it's yours. And he's like, what? And it's like, <laughs> uh-huh, smart. A little bit of a joke there. Okay, I, you see, I'm not even familiar with that drink. Sounds like this person did more research into obscure cocktails than coding. Uh, but that part, that was like, you know, a little bit of a joke, a little bit of rapport in the scene. Um, sadly, it, it sticks out because that never happens again. Yeah, uh, death in the afternoon. One, don't fucking order that in a bar unless it's on like a menu because you're an asshole. But literally, it's just it's just champagne and absinthe mixed together. Like why? Oh, okay. Don't That's order that. Just means, that doesn't sound good anyway. To be honest, no. It sounds like heartburn, and it is. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I and the Winnipeg, the Canada thing is interesting to me because it is. It, it's part of that like Hallmark lifetime kind of alternative film production world and it's it's just like a different twist on that but that's another part of Tubi's model like we're we're going to the next movie we're going to talk about which we're going to talk about it soon and it's actually pretty good that came from Tribeca Cinnamon the the last movie we're going to talk about um but most of these movies aren't debuting at at film festivals um Tubi has picked up a lot of just like small regional productions that happen to just look professional enough uh, specifically, I guess they've pulled a lot of movies from cities like uh, Detroit, Cleveland, uh, the aforementioned Winnipeg. Um, so I, I don't know. You, you just get this weird flavor of of shit that I'm I'm not used to. Uh, but uh, it's it's yeah, not always. Yeah, I, I guess it's just important that it looks like a movie, not that it behaves like a movie. Because this no. year is just like the script is just so strangely like disinterested in everything. Like. I, I, this is supposed to be some height of crunch time for a game, and yet every scene with this fucking asshole just like kicking back, like fucking <laughs> huffing out a vape with his feet up. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing? I was wondering about yeah. that. Yeah, and also mm-hmm. the, we we didn't mention the the other side plot, which is his father with early onset dementia, who's just like, "Hello, my name is Jim." That's like his only line in the whole fucking movie, and for no reason they present this son with. <laughs> with a a miracle drug to cure dementia and he's like no fuck that my dad wants to be uh dead or something i'm like what dementia <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile it's yeah, his, it's his dementia ridden dad is producing kick-ass concept art that is rocking the game world right mm-hmm. so that is i think what we're led to believe here it's not clear but what we're led to believe is that he's keeping his father in a <laughs> In a state of dementia so that he can steal his drawings for his video games. Why wouldn't his dad just okay this process in the first place if he wasn't fucking crippled with dementia? I don't know, but again, a good way to to get me on the guy's side for sure. (laughs) I know, that's the thing. It's like, just like Bad Cat, the whole time I'm just like, I really would like this guy to get first person shot in the fucking face. Like, there's nothing (laughs) enjoyable about him at all. Uh, But yeah, first person shooter fucking fucking blows but you know what uh you guys jack you you took a wild swing you said you know what turkish animation that sounds interesting this probably won't be good but i'm gonna swing for the fences myros uh the devious little rascal he is uh, he's a real shero the cat he's a he's a fucking a, a little little bastard 
and he chose first-person shooter. But me, the good, pure, uh, kind, wonderful, benevolent member of this podcast. I, I like Roman Polanski. I know you do, but that's not what we're talking about right now. As the person who who cares about other people, who has a, a, a shred of empathy in him, I chose a pretty good movie, I think. So yeah, if, we if you're going to watch it, there's by one that. thing. If there's one thing on Tubi that is an original Tubi movie and it's not terrible, I'm telling you, it's it's this movie Cinnamon, which I don't think, as far as I know, anybody under the fucking sun has watched or or talked about. But I'm telling you, if you care at all about, um, I don't know, uh, black exploitation films or you like kind of like 90s Tarantino inspired. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, little, if this would have been in, in Tribeca in 1999, it would have sold for like $2 million. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's not great. Like this isn't the best thing you're going to fucking see this year. It's a little rough around the edges, but it is a fully competent film made by someone with a, a vision. And, uh, it's, it's solid. It's entertaining. It's good. Yeah, cinema. Yeah. yeah, no, this is absolutely a pleasant surprise. It's a movie that has a, a clear line of influence and kind of like a what we say, like a clear vision of what it's trying to do. Kind of a noir black exploitation mashup film, um, mm. it, it, with with a certain visual style to it. It's this is good. This is you know, like you say, I, I would agree absolutely. It's it's a little rough around the edges. Not everything in it works. But uh, I, I would keep tabs on this director. I, I would like to see more of what he makes. Uh, this mm -hmm. Brian Keith Montgomery Jr. Uh, is uh, he he might be going places because this is this is not nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's loaded with characters that are like fully fleshed out and, and interesting and fun. I mean, you got Pam Greer, who's fucking amazing. And she plays this like crime ringleader who uh, is mostly doesn't speak. And she just determines if someone's going to get fucking killed or not by whether or not she flips up the side of her sunglasses that has a dead eye or whether she flips up the side that doesn't. Uh, I don't know what Damon Waynes is doing, but I love it. Yeah, it's. It's he's playing a broad, uh, he's playing a loser very, very broadly. But yeah, I mean, pleasant to see it's him like back on the big screen. Yeah, D Damon Wayans is doing something in between blank man and rejected character from In Living Color, but I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, just completely sleazy and, and gross and weird and funny. Um, uh, Jeremy Harris plays kind of the, uh, the heavy here, basically, and he's, he's fucking great. He seems plucked from a, a 90s Tarantino universe, uh, but he, he nails it, absolutely fucking nails it. Uh, doesn't go over the top, just walks this line that's fantastic. And none of the, with the exception of, of Pam Greer, really, and Damon Wayans, none of the major actors here, like the guy who plays Eddie or the, the woman who plays the titular Cinnamon, none of these people are like name actors at all. They're just kind of like plucked from obscurity, but they're, they're just great. Like they, they fill that niche perfectly. And I mean, a lot of that has got to go to uh, the guy who wrote and directed this, uh, Brian Keith Montgomery Jr. So he wrote it, he directed, he's a producer, and you can kind of feel his guiding hand through this whole thing. Because this is another movie where, I don't know, I, I think back to the Larry Bishop cast 
where if you have someone who is in control of everything, but they don't have a firm grasp on, on what they're doing or the tone of the film they're working on, you can have a big pile of dog shit. And Brian Keith Montgomery Jr., despite this being his debut feature film and having some real star power in a couple of roles, just absolutely in control of everything. And yeah, it's good. A little light mystery, a little action. It's, it's fucking fun. This is the closest thing you're going to get to like good 70s style black exploitation in contemporary independent cinema. Yeah, it, it fits that great, that one, one of those great genres that's, I think, perennial genres or sub-genres of uh, kind of rookie, sympathetic crooks accidentally rip off uh, jaded, horrific crooks and, of course, sets in motion a, a series of terrible events that they have to overcome. Um, like, if I had one complaint about the movie, I think, and I think part of this might be budget more than anything else, is just that I think it's reaching, or it maybe needed a visual style, a style that he can't quite wrangle in or make happen. It's it's not quite as ornate visually as maybe the, the script calls for when you think about a lot of films like this. But mm-hmm. I think that it's a minor issue. Like you said, the cast in this are great. And I'm, I'm kind of assuming we'll see more from these, you know, not well-known actors coming through. This seems like a pretty solid notch in the resume. Um, it's it's just one of those films that, like, it, it works. And, and what's funny, I mean, in the wake of this podcast and what else we watch, it's like within the opening five minutes of this movie, you were aware that you were watching something just categorically superior to the other two films <laughs> like it, it opens with a gas exactly. station heist that's shot through has some really like just nice little elements to it and it's paced well and everything and then we have a reversal where we find out that that's that heist was not exactly what we thought it was originally and like you're instantly you're in the movie you're instantly invested mm-hmm. it's no, neither of the other two movies have that point at any point in their their runtime let alone like five to six minutes in they never, they never hit that peak. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, the influences are there. I, you know, we mentioned uh, Pam Greer movies. Uh, there's, there's bits of like coffee in this. Um, the, the aforementioned Tarantino. I, I think you get a little bit of like early Coen Brothers too. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it's got, it's got that those neo noir elements. Uh, but also, you see it, but it's not smacking you over the fucking head with it. And I, I think about there's there's a movie on Netflix right now called uh, they they clone Tyrone, and it's it's fine. Uh, it pulls a lot of punches, but the one thing that drove me absolutely fucking nuts watching that movie is it has this this fake scratchy thirty five millimeter nineteen seventies treatment over everything, and it's like no I. I get what you're doing. You don't have to do that part. <laughs> yeah, whoever and, came up with that thing for like Hobo with a shotgun, that that fucking photo editing suite yeah. needs to be disabled. No one should exactly. ever use it anymore. <laughs> no, no. Like there, there's a part in Cinnamon where uh, Damon Wayne's he gets a knife through his left hand while he's sitting in front of a computer, and I feel like any editor who's sitting on pro, you know, whatever fucking editing suite they're using, and they put on that fucking filter. Uh, they deserve the knife through their hand. Like, don't don't do that. Just don't fucking do it. it you don't have to. Um, so yeah, I, I I admire the restraint, and it you could you could feel the guy's passion. It's just it's yeah. Like, yeah. There's a there's a confidence in the material here that he knows 
where you know he he understands the actors have to carry it and that he just has to kind of guide it through and pace the scenes out correctly um yeah it's 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 just it's just an impressive damn movie made for I not very much. I mean, you know, its mistakes are largely not really mistakes at all. They're more like, I wonder what he could have done with a little more money. There's a few, like, I do wonder if you have Pam Greer, do you really want to make her a deaf mute effectively? It's kind of mm-hmm. interesting, but, you know, at the same time, you know, she fills the space. She's, you know, menacing. She, you know, in a sense, hey, it is still Pam Greer and she's menacing without saying a word. So, you know, maybe... It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. A, it's not a bad decision. It's just an interesting one, and I wonder if something yeah. else might have been even more interesting. But it's. It's just. Yeah, this movie kind of has that. That just confidence in its material, in its antecedents that he's very clearly kind of quoting, but not copying. It, it's just. Mm-hmm. This is genuinely like kind of an exciting movie from a new director. Uh, in a way, and mm-hmm. it fortunately seems to be, I, I've not heard anyone talk about this movie. I mean, play Tribeca, to be picked it up, I, you know, I, but so many other exciting movies from new directors aren't as good as this. So, and right. you hear yeah. a lot more about The fact that to be picked it up means uh, everyone else passed. <laughs> yeah. And that's, <laughs> it, it's kind of mystifying because there's something here for sure. And I, I just, uh, I mean, I get that you can see where they cut corners. And I think Pam Greer's part of that. And they probably had limited time and there's probably a lot of uh, tricks to, you know, that they can get away with, with the nature of her character, but it's okay. It feels okay because yeah, Jeremy Harris and uh, this guy plays her husband. uh, I can't even find his name on here. Oh, J. Devon Jones. Is that right? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Johnson, J. Devon Johnson. Um, yeah, they're both quite adequate and like, they're both really menacing and charismatic. It's like the, the other parts of this family that kind of make me forget that we're not hearing enough Pam Greer perhaps. And mm-hmm. there are little, yeah, you, you can see it. I, I think one of the major issues for me is the music is probably not where it needs to be for, uh, what it signifies in this film. Like it, the music is interesting to me because I, I think some of the music kind of remind me almost of like Hisashi's work with Katana, which is very unexpected in a movie that otherwise has these like insert needle drops that are more you know kind of like like R and B hits, you know, and kind of yeah. like that. And you know, I don't even it's mean kind of an scoring. interesting choice. Yeah. yeah, I don't even mean the scoring. I just mean like when they're playing. I, I think the original songs that they do, uh, oh, especially yeah. the one that concludes the film, it just doesn't hit. You know, it's kind of like you, you could see, and, and the actress's voice is great. Uh, when she's, uh, singing the animals there, it really is fucking a home run. But when it's just this original work, it's just kind of flat. It's not what you want for the big climax. You feel like, obviously they probably didn't have the songwriter, uh, big Hollywood songwriter out there to to really polish it up, but, um, or the rights to use a pre-existing song. (laughs) Um, but yeah, and I think the uh, inner titles kind of similarly feel very uh, student-y. There are times where... Student-y or Tarantino-ish, yeah. Right. But it's very Tarantino for sure, but in a, in a way that doesn't drive me nuts because thankfully it's not the year 1998 or something, so I'm not like uh, deathly tired of seeing these movies. Um, and B, it's better than most of them. Like, it's just, the, the wave of stuff that came out 
in the indie scene post Tarantino, a lot of it's fucking terrible, especially stuff that would be like a Tubi original. You have stuff like the fucking box or whatever, or not the box. What is that movie? Cuff, what's that movie called? The Gift? Wait, what? There's that the wait, horrible wait, wait, wait. indie Tarantino movie about a guy who gets like a box that's got a monster in it, and it's just like the fucking worst shit. Uh, we've definitely seen it. it, it man. I can't remember what the hell it's called. Well, the gift is a uh, look. I'm I'm just looking up because I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But uh, Joel Edgerton, uh, a married it's couple, Simon and Robin, run into Gordo, an old classmate. Steve, yeah, okay, I'm pretty sure there's like 75 movies called The Gift, so that, the that gift, might be yeah, a little probably, fruitless. Yeah, but there's yeah. this movie is, it, it, yeah, I don't know. It's I, if you don't remember it, then I can't get too far down the line without sounding like a lunatic. But there is, rest assured. Mm-hmm. Uh, a cheapo indie movie from like a guy out of college that uh, is just about the worst thing I've ever seen that probably had a wider distribution than this <laughs> if you if you know yeah, what, what Adam's talking about you can email us at optimismvaccine.com <laughs> yeah optimismvaccine at gmail.com well, and that's like that's the, the secret sauce of Tarantino right like it, the, the funny thing about him is like he's clearly drawing from past eras and, and doing his thing but then when anyone tries to imitate Tarantino and that's obvious, it's like, it's the most horrible, insufferable bullshit ever. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that the difference <laughs> here is that, um, yeah, a lot of the, the, the other stuff that's aping Tarantino gets caught up in the referential elements and they get caught up in the making sure you know what they're quoting and the characters are all mm. talk as if, you know, they, to let you know what they are interested in as if that's what makes Tarantino movies work. And this film doesn't have that. This film, very, like I say, very clear influences and antecedents there between black exploitation and Coen Brothers and so on. But it, the movie actually flows itself. The 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 regulating of the pace, you know, the 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 scenes and the story and everything is all on point to actually just tell its own story. And it doesn't get yeah. caught up in packaging and presentation like a lot of those other movies did. It's not just basically naval gazing horse shit. So, uh, mm-hmm. which makes a huge difference for a viewer experience. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, but yeah, Brian Keith Montgomery Jr., uh, somebody to keep an eye on. Cinnamon, something you should be fucking watching, because I know you haven't watched it, because nobody has. It's uh, one of those things that, like, I, for me... Go, go ahead, Steve. I was just going to say, this, I mean, this is probably my biggest, I, I guess there's a couple months left in the year, but this is probably the biggest surprise for me in 2023, that this this movie exists and it doesn't suck shit so uh, yeah. yeah it's good <laughs> yeah I, I i worry you know that they're getting passed up for distribution if this is the class thing of like we're all aware of fine we should do a podcast on this honestly of like the, the you know the black cinema circuit which is like all these genre movies that are just obviously populated with black actors and aimed at a black audience and they kind of like are various versions of established hollywood movies or hollywood movies are all uncredited remakes of some of the more successful black movies that only black people have mm-hmm. seen um like i do wonder if this movie fell down that path that Tubi ended up being able to scoop it up for next to nothing because everyone else looking at it's like oh it's like a genre movie but everyone in it's black so you know probably oh, probably won't a- sell and it's just like what absolutely. the fuck like it's great no, that's, that's that's entirely what it is like it, i mean because a lot of what Tubi does like one of the niches that they fill with their you know Tubi original movies is that um, yeah they have a lot you know, of black that, that, cinema that, yeah a lot of black cinema a lot of you know uh, the, the, the house that tyler perry built and then within that 
there's kind of a, a subsection. There's there's literally like a there's some sort of label for it. And I don't know if it's within distribution or, or uh, whatever. Uh, but Tubi has labeled specific movies they they've picked up as yeah these kind of like throwback black exploitation black thrillers. And I I feel like part of the reason why Cinnamon got passed up is just yeah a lot of these other companies like. Um, you know, fucking A24 would never because it's not fucking flashy and it, it, it feels, it does, it feels kind of rooted in, in some of this black cinema stuff, but it's also like, it, it's got more, there's, there's a different element to it that isn't being addressed, I think. But yeah, I, I think a lot of distributors probably saw this and then just kind of like turn their nose up on it or didn't see it and read about it and they're like oh this is just just a black people movie which, which is funny because i think fucking stupid we, we have this upcoming thing like the blackening and you know other like self-conscious like which are very much in the jordan peele aftermath which are like very self-consciously self like you know advocating like we are black cinema and i feel like maybe it fell through the gap on that because it doesn't lean in so much on that. It's just like, it's a kind of established genre piece that just happens to be in the black milieu, but it's not yeah. like commenting or, or ultimately reflecting on that specifically. So yeah, I feel exactly. like it's, it's this unfortunate thing where God, you know, and it's, it's a shame because I think this movie, honestly, you know, it really deserves a wider audience. I think people will really enjoy this. So I, I kind of hope, you know, tell your friends, go watch cinnamon on Tubi. Yeah, go watch Cinnamon on Tubi. That's the big takeaway from that. I have an important update, um, by the way. Uh, the movie yeah. that I'm rambling about is called The Item. Uh, it's <laughs> it's a, a 1999 film, uh, probably the nadir of the uh, post-Tarantino wave, uh, wherein like four assholes are tasked with uh, being caretakers for a mysterious item, which is actually like a, a telepathic penis in a box. Uh, and oh, like a glowing suitcase? No, the, the you see this this penis is right out there. It's just fucking. And I think it's it's coded as alien worm or something, but it's just it's just a fucking dick in a box. And uh, yeah, yeah, you've seen this movie, Steve. Uh, I hate to tell That's you, exciting. You you've absolutely <laughs> seen it, and it is uh, it's probably one of the twenty worst films I've ever seen. So, the item. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad I don't remember it. I'm I'm actually I'm looking at the poster for it right now. And that's familiar, but I don't remember anything about the movie. So uh, that feels good because, you know, yeah. I don't want to think about it. I, I like Roman Polanski. Okay. Well, we should, despite that, we should probably wrap things up. So, Myros, what are you putting over this week? Uh, Chinatown. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good. It's good, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, good. it's a good film. I was going to argue with that. Anything else you want to say about Chinatown? Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. I, I've, I've been playing Starfield. Uh, that's kind of been my entertainment for the week, and th so far, I am quite enjoying my time with it. Is it? It's and not anything revolutionary, uh, that's for sure. But uh, it's the sort of game that I tend to find myself uh, drawn to, digging in on, and mm -hmm. uh, it's it's uh, pretty polished thus far, and uh, I'm having fun with it. So I right. imagine if you're into games at all, you you don't need me to recommend Starfield. But uh, here we go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Jack, what are you putting over this week? Uh, I am going to go and put over the Rugby World Cup, which is happening right now <laughs> and which I am finally able to watch because Peacock, the streaming service, has rugby on it, which I learned about six days before the Rugby World Cup started and I was, I was pleased. So, you know what? I just gave NBC money, which is not something that I usually do. 
but it's just it's easy and it's fun and uh, you know you, not a lot of people watch rugby over here but uh you should because it's it's pretty good game uh, a lot of just yeah. meaty meaty men just handling each other uh while commentators talk about discipline it's you know it's it's just a wonderful experience so yeah rugby world cup ireland maybe could win it they're one of the favorites which probably means they won't why would why would anything nice happen to us so uh yeah check it out that's good no i i I love this is again like fucking streaming ceo brain uh the whole reason why rugby is on peacock is because peacock is now running all these advertisements where they get to say we have more sports than any other streaming service and the way they were able to accomplish this was you know, they bought a couple of college football games, probably a couple of NFL games, a few things here, a few things there, and then just like a shitload of fucking soccer and rugby. So there you go. That's how you do it. I mean, it, it works for me. I, I originally picked up because they also have Premier League soccer. And I was just like, you know what? I, I miss watching soccer now and then. So I was like, well, this mm-hmm. seems fucking easy enough to just pick up. Cool. I'll just do that. Yeah. And you know what? It, it works for well. Saturday morning, throw on, throw on a soccer game, chill out, wake up to it. And then free for the rest of the day. The problem with a lot of like national sports here, firstly, I'm not that interested in most of the American sports because, you know, I have to learn things and I don't like change. Yeah. Uh, but also a lot of it just happens like later in the day when I've already got stuff to do. So it's nice to just mm-hmm. with the time difference, European sports, they all happen at like fucking 8 a.m., 9 a.m. when I'm just about getting up and getting ready. They're done by like sure. 11. And then I've got the whole day ahead of me. That's fantastic. It's lovely it's really yeah lovely. peacock had uh michigan's season opener and uh let me tell you the amount of whinging you'd read on the blogs from the old men who just could not fucking deal with the the reality of of watching a game on a streaming service i i was like i don't understand what's the complaint it, it seems fine to me but the old the old heads just cannot handle this uh, this particular can't fucking deal with it man can't fucking deal with it uh, well, I'm going to put over something a little bit unorthodox. So I, I mentioned earlier that a lot of these movies that Tubi is picking up, they're from, you know, outside the uh, typical areas where movies are produced. So they, these aren't New York movies or L.A. movies. Uh, a lot of them come from places like Winnipeg or Detroit or Cleveland, Ohio, of all places. And I don't know if either of you guys have ever been to Cleveland. Uh, I'm, I'm not a fan. I think it's not fucking great. Uh, but I, I love I love laughing at silly Cleveland things like they have downtown. They have this big art piece and it's just a big fucking rubber stamp. <laughs> it just looks dumb as fuck. And one of my favorite things about Cleveland, though, is in the mid 1980s, they were trying to say like, you know, no, Cleveland is great and it's a it's a good tourist spot and you should go to Cleveland uh, people always call it the mistake by the lake, and they're like, no, 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 Cleveland's great. And one of the ways they tried to get more tourism to Cleveland is in 1985, uh, in Walt Disney, in Disney World, they set the Guinness World Record for the most, uh, like, helium balloons released at once. Okay, so they released, like, I don't know, fucking 800,000 balloons or something at Disney World. And so Cleveland's idea was, well, if we can beat Disney World at something, then that'll show that we are a legitimate tourist destination, which is the most like fucking brain rot bullshit I've ever fucking heard in my life. So what they did was they decided to release 1.5 million helium balloons in downtown Cleveland. And what happened was uh, 
the time of year they decided to do it, there was like a big thunderstorm rolling. And so you had all this low pressure and all these high winds. And they said, fuck it, we're doing it anyways because we're Cleveland. This is, this is how we're going to put ourselves on the map. And so they, they released all these balloons. And then because of the wind and the pressure, um, most of the balloons either went immediately back down to earth, just covering downtown Cleveland in, in fucking busted ass balloons, just rubber everywhere. Uh, a bunch of them floated over to the airport where they weren't supposed to be and shut down the Cleveland airport for like a day and a half, which was financially horrible. And then the other fun thing that happened was the rest of them went to Lake Erie, which was a massive environmental disaster. Cause you can imagine like, imagine like 800,000 balloons, just, just hunks of rubber into Lake Erie. Now on top of that, because there was a bad storm, there was uh, a boat with some fishermen in it that had uh, capsized and there was a search going on for these, uh, these guys, but they decided to release these balloons. Then all the balloons went in Lake Erie and you know, it's, it's kind of hard to find a, a body floating with a life jacket when everything in the water is like a fucking orange balloon. So uh, a bunch of fishermen died because Cleveland is a bunch of fucking morons. So this week I'm putting over Cleveland is stupid. And that's one of the weirdest stories I have ever heard in my entire life. So there you go. That's uh, nice. I've never, I've, ne <laughs> I've never been to Cleveland. I've been to Columbus and I have been to Cincinnati. So, I mean, I feel like Cleveland's probably got a good shot of being the jewel of Ohio because those other two mm -hmm. places fucking aren't. Yeah. I, I don't like Cincinnati is all right, but it's more, it feels more Southern than Midwestern to me. Uh, Columbus is a functional college town. I, I've never spent more than 24 hours there. It, fine, I guess. Cleveland is just like, you have all these like working class, blue collar, Midwest and, and Rust Belt cities. So you've got, you know, your, your Milwaukee's, your Detroit's, your Pittsburgh's, things like that. And in that list of cities that are that thing, Cleveland is the, the least fun to be in, in my experience. Uh, but again, they uh, they released 1.5 million balloons in 1986, and none of those other cities did that. So I, what do I know, right? Uh, but yeah, anyways, if you enjoyed the show today, uh, guess what? You can give us money. How fun would that be? There's a link in the description of this podcast that'll take you to our Patreon, and you can give us some money, and that'll help keep this podcast going. Now, for any amount at all, whatever you want to donate, however big or however small, or small your donation is, uh, if you live in the continental United States, I will send you a movie from my personal collection in the mail. Very exciting. I got a box full of these fucking things. It grows every day. I, I got to get new shelves. My, I, I, got, I, I might have too much physical media. I'm, I'm starting to wonder. Uh, not that that's going to stop me from getting more. I'm just, just, if I say it out loud, it feels better. Anyways, you can benefit from that. I will give you a movie. That's, this is wonderful for you. Uh, in addition to that, if you do decide to give a little bit more, say at the $5 level, well, that comes with extra perks. This episode that you're listening to right now is an episode that was voted on by our patrons. If you donate at $5 or above, you get to vote on shit. Uh, and in addition to voting on shit, you also get to uh, have your name read out on air. So, Myros, who are our five and above patrons right we now? We have David, CWW, Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula. All saints, every single one of them. I should also mention that uh, no matter what, if it's five dollars, if it's you know three dollars, two dollars, one, whatever you decide to give us, uh, you also get access to our special Patreon feed, 
We have special patron-only episodes. We have a huge back catalog of old episodes from uh, going back almost a decade. And we also have a bunch of old written content that you can check out from tons of different contributors. So all kinds of goodies if you subscribe to the Patreon. Now, finally, if you are a real OV head, if, if, if you really want to show your loyalty, uh, you can donate at the $25 level. And what that will get you is you will get to choose an episode, anything you want in the whole wide world, and we will do an episode on it. We're still waiting for the Adam Myros hentai episode, so you can make it happen. It'll come sooner rather than later uh, with your donation of $25. Uh, so yeah, also, you know, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us or blue sky at us, uh, at optimism vaccine. We're available. You find us. We're there. We're fucking there. And I think that just about wraps things up. So as I said, we had a tie in our patron poll. So we're going to be back next week with another patron decided episode and uh yeah see you then